This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hi, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a General Surgeon and Chief Medical Officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital, DeSoto. And hey, everybody, I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for the Baptist System. Well, today we are so incredibly honored to have the chairman of Lean Global Network and the senior advisor for the Lean Enterprise, and most people know him as John Shook. John learned about lean management while working for Toyota for 11 years in Japan and the U.S., helping it transfer production engineering management systems from Japan to NUMI, a famous uh, facility that many people have read about, and other operations around the world. I won't go into everything, but I want to do let some of our listeners know that uh, not only has John written many, many books and spoken all throughout the world, but he's also an alumni and got his bachelor's at the University of Tennessee. And so I know many people will be very interested in that. And on that note, let me say welcome, John, to the podcast. Thank you, Skip. Go Vols. Well, we are so excited to have you, and I'll kick us off for the first uh, question and then let Dr. Mason and Dr. Lancaster go from there, is um, you wrote an article that inspired me to call my friend John Shook, and that was in January, and it was called Let's Celebrate Work, and I absolutely love that article. What was, uh, what was your thinking on that article when you were putting it together, John, if you could share us a little bit of insight on that? Well, thanks, Skip. It's great to be here. Um, I, my difficulty here is answering that question, let's see, one way in a couple of minutes or many ways in a couple of hours, and we can't do the second way. So I, the short answer is I think we I think we don't celebrate the work, I suppose, is, 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 was the was the immediate impetus. And that, in fact, as I as, as we see change initiatives uh, taking place in organizations everywhere. I see a lot of strategic thinking. I see a lot of smart thinking about how organizations should work, what they should be. Uh, and then I will leave a, a room with uh, those smart people who are thinking strategically about, uh, you know, putting everything in place to change the organization. And then you go look at the work and nothing has changed. People are still working in the same, uh, you know, chaotic mess that they've always worked in. And I do believe until you change the work, uh, people at the value creating front lines of any organization, uh, you haven't done anything that's worthwhile in terms of creating, you know, effective desired change. So uh, that is essentially the 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 reason. And, and the way I entered into this 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 world of of we whether we use it whatever we call it, uh, change, effective enterprise, change, uh, lean, lean thinking, lean production, lean enterprise. Uh, you know, a lot of it Toyota based. Um, what, the way I entered into this was very different from that. Uh, everything was focused on the work and how to make that better and backing up from there into all the other things, all the other organizational things need to happen. Everything, all the other things we do need to enable the person doing that frontline work to do their work better, more safely, more comfortably, uh, removing struggle, um, and then eliciting from them their ideas and how it can be better and those kinds of things. So I felt like, and still feel like, uh, that was that's a component that's often missing, and it's one that uh, tends to bother me a lot. In fact, I would, in fact, it may be one of my top two or three failure modes if I as I look at <laughs> organizational change. So I, I guess that's 
a fairly succinct answer uh, to your to your question. It's something I think about a lot. That's all. Well, John, just along with Skip, I really enjoyed enjoyed that article. And and one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, we all get up in the morning, and we go to work. You know, and 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 what does that mean? And, and one thing you talk about is is defining the work. Uh, you know, you, you can't celebrate the work in, in, unless you define what the work is. And 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 tell us a little bit about how we should go about defining what what actually is work. Well, that's a great question, um, and I think that's a question I'd love for people to ask more. Again, as I, as I engage in dialogue with with, with uh, change leaders and organizations, that, that is often not where they begin. It begins with a more sophisticated conversation um, that, that might be appropriate for a uh, Harvard Business School uh, seminar. And it's good stuff. I don't deny it. It's great stuff. You know, I love systems theory. Who doesn't? Uh, it is critical. It's important. But man, can we get ethereal about it all? And in the meantime, people are still just drudging through this stuff every day, making mistakes and not being able to do anything about it, uh, being disrespected. So I think, I honestly think that the best place to start anytime is to go and look at the work. So as leaders, we can go, we can go observe. Uh, sometimes in traditional lean thinking, we, we talk about what's called the Ono Circle. And uh, so kind of the developer of the uh, Toyota production system, uh, Ono, would, would literally, in fact, I had this done to me. Uh, 35 years ago, where you go to a good spot uh, on the plant floor or the, the value creating front lines of the organization, a good spot where you can see what's going on. Uh, and you stand there until you think you kind of understand what's going on. And what happens is there are things you can see right away that you would see on a drive by. <laughs> and there are the things that you really need to stay there a while longer to really understand all the implications, all the things that are going wrong, all the things that are outside the control of that person who really is probably well intended. And I think we must presume that the individual doing the work is well intended and proven until proven otherwise. And in my experience, in fact, the problems with the problem workers, I'm using air quotes here, gang, uh, is, is never there. It's never with the front lines. It's always the system we created. So that means looking really at the work holistically in a, in, in, in a concerted way, understanding that empathically, both the social side of that work, what the individual is, is, is experiencing, and the technical design of that work and seeing what it should be to create value. This is where lean thinking starts, define value. So what is it we're here for? It's to provide uh, you know, care for uh, uh, patients or it's to build a, um, a widget for a car, whichever it may be, there's some value that's being provided. What is that? And what is the true, what are the truly necessary activities to provide that value? And I believe if you don't start with defining those necessary, that, what is it we're here to do? What is that necessary activity to create that value? Then you will, you will, everything we try to do then will become disjointed and we will end up with the mess that we have in most, in most cases. So usually we have this mess in the organization and then we have a, uh, uh, you know, a change initiative and we, we, we kind of look at it from the outside in and, and uh, we just tend to often make the mess worse. Or we, or we make a lot of change, moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, as they say, without making things work better. And where you want to make it better is right there where the value is being created, I, 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 I think. So by doing that, we can then start to define uh, the work. And, and define the work, by the way, let me add one more thing. What we want to define is the work experience. 
So we have design of experiment that everyone, I mean, know about. We know what that means. Design of experiment. Experiment. Think in terms of designing work experience. What is the experience of that individual technically? Do they have the right materials in place? Do they have the things they need when they need it, where they need it? <laughs> um, and, and, they're, and, they're, they're, and they're in working order and, and, and they can utilize them as, as they should be. Do they have the proper knowledge and skills? So they've been trained in some way so, they, so, they're, so they're competent. Uh, so from, from being competent, they can be confident. Uh, and then we can look at purely the social side of it as well. Do they feel safe physically? Do they feel safe psychologically? All those things. We can think in terms of how to design that work experience. Um, and, and that in itself then becomes, uh, not, not to jump ahead here, but that, like, a, like a social technical system at a micro level. So system theory is wonderful and socio-technical socio system theory is wonderful. And defining that, designing that at a high level is, I don't know, it may even be impossible, right? There's so many elements, everything connecting and all these things going on. But if you go down there to where the work is taking place, you can do that. Okay? Not easy even there, but you can do that. And then you can build back from there and you can have nested uh, uh, modules, okay, of, 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 of value creating work that's designed in a socio-technically balanced way. Does that speak to your question again? I, you know, and I have to say, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to answer any of the questions or things we talk about today. They're all things that I've wrestled with with for decades, uh, but sure. but share things we've tried and things we learned along the way. And there's more learning to do. Would it would it be safe to say that <clears throat> that the work is anything that we are doing to provide value for our customer, whether it's an it's an external customer? or an internal customer and and should we should we structure our days whether it's on the wards or in the c-suite that you know as we go about our our work quote unquote that we're asking ourselves is what i i'm doing is it increasing value or providing value for that customer and along those same lines you talk about you talk about meaningful work and and mean meaningless work but it seems like that if if we are truly defining work the way it should be that that all the work that we do is is meaningful does, does that make sense and, and and you also talk about menial work but you know yes some me some meaningful work can also be menial does that does that make sense Oh, totally. I definitely think meaningful work can be menial. Uh, I haven't thought a lot about the, you know, I'll just look up menial to make sure I understand what it means. But I think, I think so. The more difficult part is the other part you mentioned, up in the C-suite or somewhere. Uh, that's the harder part to make meaningful because it's so connect, disconnected from the real work. So, so if you think about the, this, I think about the title of this podcast you, got, you guys have, Connecting the Dots. So there's a relationship with what I wrote about in that article, which is the meaning of work. But really, the, the, the challenge is, is we get further and further away from that frontline work and making sure and just asking, how, as you said, ensure that there's a connection, at least asking, how is it connected? And, 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 and with a lot of work that takes place in organizations is pretty far removed, honestly speaking. And well, I think we have to recognize that and then it doesn't mean it's not important, but it's not directly connected. And I think, you know, I think recognizing that and recognizing how it fits in. And then making that work meaningful is, is can, can sometimes be more challenging, but also very important. I mean, imagine an IT organization. They're not, they're not you know, giving people vaccines directly, 
right? They're not building the part. They're not sweeping the street. But what they do then is critical to enable the person who's doing that, that work uh, to do it better. So, so asking that question, how does it connect? And then giving people the, 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 the respect of, of, of addressing that, you know, asking people, how does it connect? And I think often we don't take the time to do that. And I think that's that's very important. And people, especially in healthcare, it's been interesting for me, and I don't want to get, I, you, so stop me whenever you, you wish. I can go off, I could, I, I could talk about this for days. It's easier to talk about this for days than it is in a defined period like this. But, but, but I think asking these questions and addressing how people are connected to the real value creating work is very important. We don't take the time to do it. And if we don't, those are the people who are going to become alienated. So we often alienate the people doing the quote menial work unquote. And that's just a shame. That's just, that's just, I'm going to use the word, you're dumb. <laughs> they are creating value for a customer. They should be able to, you know, we should, we should be able to celebrate that and recognize that. Um, as we get removed from it, I mean, if you think back of it, those of us who, you know, write, okay, we're in a C-suite. We, we, we didn't join the C-suite the day after we got out of college or high school or technical school. We went through a period of a career. And most of us have a time in our career where there's kind of a sweet spot where we're still connected, right, to that kind of menial work, that frontline work. Maybe we're not doing it, but maybe we're a platoon commander, leader if you're in the military. Or like where I worked at Toyota, it was that first line, second line supervisor. Uh, everyone, when you ask them about the career decades later, when, when were you most, when did you feel like your work was most meaningful? It's that period. It's that like 10 year period, you know, where, where, where you're doing things that are meaningful, you know, you're stepping back, you maybe you're not actually doing, you're not doing the jabs for the vaccine or drawing blood, but you're working pe with people who are, are doing that. So you can help organize that work and make it better but you're still very close to it. Then later we get removed and you're spending all days in meetings and going from meeting to meeting all day long. At the end of the day, you say, what did I do today? And you don't even know, right? I mean, I've been there, I've been on both sides of that and all of us have. So, so how to think in terms of everyone in an organization, we get able to connect to the real purpose of that organization, to the value being provided, I think is absolutely uh, 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 critical. So, <laughs> Again, if I, if I wander and don't address your question, just uh, just tell me to stop. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. Let me throw you another softball that you should be able to answer in just a couple of minutes. Um, about the volunteers know. and how they're going to do next year? That would not be a softball <laughs> question. Sorry to distract. <laughs> well, we've, we've talked a lot on this podcast about culture and ch how to change a culture, how to get positions more aligned with within our culture. And I know you've written um, extensively about that topic and would love for you to to comment on your experience with NUMI and, uh, you know, the lessons you learned from from changing that culture, as well as how is it, how does that tie into what we were just talking about related to understanding work? Okay, I'm, I'm glad you think that's a softball question. I would, I want, I want to wait. Uh, yeah, wait, yeah. You know, I figured you know it would only take you a couple of days for that one. Yeah, or, or, or a career. Well, how far back to go? I, you know, thanks Skip, for mentioning that I'm, I am from, uh, I'm not only went to the University of Tennessee, I'm from Tennessee. Um, yeah. And, um, oh gosh, and back in the 70s, began thinking about some of these questions in various ways at various levels and, you know, in a nascent sort of way, and ended up cobbling together a, a an, an academic career where I came out it was, was something that I called myself an industrial anthropologist. There was no such thing, but I studied uh, 
anthropology in graduate school. I studied business. I studied uh, whatever it was. I studied in Oxford. It was a long time ago, you know. Um, and 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 then I went and I wanted to work for the biggest, most Japanese company I could find because it seemed that they had they they had their finger on the pulse of doing things better, doing things right in a, in a, in a certain way in terms of getting a culture right. And since I studied anthropology, including ethnography, which is a skill that can be brought to bear back to the previous question um, about, about how we would go about designing, you know, defining, you know, good work or become an ethnographer and go, and go, 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 go observe it. So, so I was looking at, at, at work and organizations from that standpoint, again, kind of at a high level, okay, kind of as an anthropologist might. <laughs> Um, and I thought, in fact, to create a good, great organization, you, it has to have the right culture, right? It has to have a great culture. And if I look at what's happened in the lean world, by the way, over these last, uh, or continuous, the continuous, continuous improvement, you know, world over the last several decades, it went through phases of really focusing on process improvement to then thinking more about other things and include a big focus on culture. And I, and I agree at the end of the day that the, 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 there's the need to change the culture. That is the big bugaboo. That's the thing that's there. But I, but I also think, and I, and I think uh, our mutual friend, Edgar Schein, agrees with this. He's written about this. Of course, he gave us the whole term. He invented the term, you know, organizational culture uh, a long time ago. And, and I, think, I think we're in agreement, or at least what I think, what I learned then from, from working on, on all this kind of thing with, with, with Toyota is that you don't necessarily change the culture by working directly on the culture you, you have to change you have to you have to you have to work where we spend our time is down there in the engine room making things work <laughs> doing things and that's where you want to make change that will then bring you know people will have different values uh different attitudes towards their work if we give them work that they can engage in and be successful in and, and, and be safe physically psychologically that then will bring about the culture that we want. So I think being mindful of the culture we want all along is very important. But then we, the way we want to change that, I, what I learned was, you know, and there's a, there's a, 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 a quote, there's some words that are used in uh, Japanese. I learned Japanese along the way, by the way. Uh, when I graduated the University of Tennessee, I'd never met a Japanese person. Uh, <laughs> when I went to Japan, the first time I had never had a bite of sushi, could not speak a single word. Uh, I was just kind of off on a journey to learn about something. I didn't even know exactly uh, exactly what it was. But along there's some words that are used in Japanese, and then and then also I've come across them uh, in, in English, which is it's easier to change. To, 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 it's easier to change the way you think by changing the things you do than the than the other way around. You act your way to a new way of thinking, then to think your way to a new way of acting. And I think a lot of what we talk about in universities. Um, you know, or seminars or consultants with change methodologies and all that. It focuses a whole lot on somehow thinking we can change the culture directly. We can redesign it and change toward that. So that's fine. We can have, we can create a, an idea of, of what we want to be culturally. Uh, I don't know how, how many people work at, uh, at your organization, roughly? 18,000. 18,000. So, you know, we want 18,000 engaged uh, thinking uh, individuals. Uh, solving problems, doing their work effectively. Uh, we want that. We can define that kind of culture at a high level, but then we need to go, I think, we need to go pretty quickly then to how we can create social technical systems at the micro level that will enable that to happen, enable people to act their way to new ways of, of thinking. So that was a learning. It wasn't one I was looking for. 
uh, when I joined Toyota, and uh, I wanted to work for the biggest, most Japanese company I could find so I could learn what they were doing. Uh, when the opportunity came along to work with Toyota, the only reason they hired me was because they were entering into this joint venture with General Motors to create uh, a, a joint venture in Fremont, California, where Tesla is now making, uh, you know, the next, the future, <laughs> where the future of the auto industry is, is being, being born at, at Tesla. And they only hired me for that to work on that project. They never hired a non-Japanese to work in the, at the, the their organization in Japan at their headquarters in Toyota City before. And the great thing for me was bef before they hired me to help them teach their way of working, a production and management system, uh, to the people there in in California. And from my standpoint, that was great because before I can help them teach it to, the, to someone else, they had to teach me first. And the way I was taught first then goes back to this 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 issue. I was given some lectures and books to read and things like that. Or was I? <laughs> Very little, actually. There wasn't actually no, there were no real books to read. There were some lectures, if you want to call it that. But mainly I, you know, I was I was I was given tasks to do and I was coached through uh how to how to learn how how to gain the capability to fulfill those tasks. So I was sent to the factory to do factory work. Uh, elevating the work, celebrating it. Well, you know, I was I was based there at, at the headquarters, uh, in and in Toyota City. And well, when when at, at the headquarters in the head office, when someone from one of the factories would come for some reason, like maybe a team leader, a group leader, you know, a blue collar worker. That was the terms that were used there at that time. The terms we don't use nowadays. I'm not sure why not. There, there were white collar workers and there were blue collar workers. When the blue would if a blue collar worker from the factory came over to the headquarters for some reason, they were absolutely just 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 honored. I mean, the people would they, people didn't stand up and cheer, but they would introduce them. Everyone would bow, and this is uh, this is group leader Sato from this plant. You know where they're where they're making where they do die casting for engine X Y Z or something. And it was just like you would think someone had 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 come in. You know, a great hero had, had come to visit, and they had. So celebrating, elevating that level of work was just kind of baked into that culture. So how do you bake that into the culture? We can we can articulate that as an ideal. Um, but from there, then we need to find ways that we can act our way there. And I think uh, an additional thing I would add was go, going back to the earlier uh, question about designing that work and designing that work experience. I think that's what we have to do to make any of this start to happen. So once again, I probably spoke, spoke too long there in, in answer to your softball question. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, when you were in Japan, you know, in, in America, we're all about, you know, rugged individualism. And, and did you did you find that that that's one of the reasons why we have had, why we're lagging behind here in America, uh, behind the Japanese when it comes to creating creating that culture. Boy, I know the softball question is going to take at least a day or two uh, to, to unpack. I think the individualism versus kind of a more of a group mentality is a real thing. I think we we we, we ignore that at our our peril. Um, at the same time, I, I think we need not get too hung up on it. I mean, Americans know how to work as a team. We do that in sports. We do that in the military. We do that in, I, I, I've never, I haven't spent a lot of time in, in the operating rooms or surgical theater, as our friends, you know, call it. But I think there's sure. a lot of teamwork that takes place there. Uh, defined roles, you know, not everyone doing everything. Not, we don't have a lot of cowboys running around just doing what they want uh, in the surgical room or 
uh, when there's a fire, you got to. Well, you hadn't seen Dr. Mason in the OR. He's a little yeah, cowboy. Yeah, I, I got my big 10 gallon hat, you know. Well, there is, there can be a lot of command and control in this, in the, in the surgery, right? I didn't yeah. say there wasn't, you yeah, know, yeah, there leaders, is. That, 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 that's, I think, pretty common as, as, as well. So there are things to deal with regarding this, but it's a matter of being cognizant of it, looking at it and deciding how we want to work. Um, and, and then making that little micro level, uh, you know, social system, little ecosystem, so we can work more and more uh, incrementally getting the, getting toward the way we, we want to work. So what I found over there was there was some, uh, a lot of cultural packaging and we had to, and to break down and go to the essence. What are the essence here that we want to, to incorporate and be able to unpack that and say, this is what we want to do at Numi in California. This is what we want to do at General Motors, uh, which is one step removed. Uh, th this is what we'd want to do at uh, some other discrete manufacturing in the United States. That's a further step removed. This then is what we would want to do in healthcare in the United States. We're no, so it's so new me or my experience in Japan. It was you know long, long ago and far, far away, as the famous movie starts off. Uh, but the principles are there. But we do have to be cognizant, very mindful, I think, of what we're really trying to achieve. Um, and then get into that essence, which we want engaged people taking ownership of their work every moment of the day and enabled to be successful uh, in what they do every moment. And so we, 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 so how can we enable create those conditions? So one can, so, so anyone can be successful every time they do their job. And when they have something, when something gets in the way of them being successful, they can call attention to that. And we make a promise that we will deal with that in some way. So that's something that Toyota put in place a long, long time ago before I was there. And that I think is kind of you know, close to the essence of what we're talking about. And there's not a lot of not a lot of, you know, social, cultural, Japanese cultural trappings around that. I don't think it's, it's not that there aren't things to be aware of. We are individualistic here uh, to, to, to be sure. And also healthcare is not making cars. Now, Edgar Shine and I have kind of debated about that. He likes to emphasize the difference. And I like to say, well, what are the differences? <laughs> I think they're less than you might think, uh, but they are. But they are there, and they're real. We need, need to account for those. Now, that makes perfect sense. You know, to me, if if you're a leader that's going out and, and doing the work on the front line, and you're seeing problems that they are having on the front line, and you're able to to actually help them solve those or, or you know, improve the process so that that problem goes away. To me, that would make it much easier for them to align with your culture than trying to design culture and shove it down on them from up top. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it goes back to that, that the other earlier question, too, about defining that word. Because honestly, it's not easy to go around in a chaotic situation, see someone having a problem and figure out how to help them other than just do it and tell them what to do. So we're, we're forced. We as leaders are forced into that kind of behavior a lot of times. I mean, it's a mess there. So you have someone who's who's dealing with a chaotic situation. They're doing the best they can, but it's a mess. Yeah, what are you, you going to do? Especially if it's like a lot of things that happen in hospitals, you're going to have to just directly intervene. Say, no, don't do that, do this. <laughs> so how can we create the enabling structures so that it becomes easy to see when someone's having a problem? Easy for me as the person, you know, as, as a leader, but also easy for them. So they know when something is going wrong and they know that their job, in fact, is to call when there's something there's something that's going on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe maybe diverge. I think this one of the things that's kind of in the background here. Another thing that kind of uh, concerns me is 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 um, there's a term we use standardized work, and um, it's it's 
it's a toughie and that the language back to your question about individualism right it's something that a lot of people bristle with uh if you're in healthcare if you're in any kind of creative uh, uh occupation or even beyond that it's like well wait a minute you know you can't just standardize you know what 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 I, what I what I do I have to I have to be able to 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 call audibles you know and uh you know we used to have a good quarterback in Knoxville and Peyton Manning who was famous for calling audibles uh, but he did it with a defined structure, right? He wasn't just willy-nilly coming up and say, oh, you know, he wasn't going back. <laughs> okay, He wasn't, you know, didn't drawing a play, you know, when they huddled in, in the grass there. He, he, they, had, they had scrimmaged these things the same way a good firefighting team does. They scrimmage and they have plays that they can, that, that, uh, that, that, that they can call. So how we can create, you know, those conditions, and that's what standardized work is for, is to enable us actually to be able to deviate from it. It's to enable us to be able to see when there is a deviation, a problem that's coming at me. And my job as that worker then, back to meaningful work, is, is the work, the work, the work of, the, of that individual, the media work, isn't just to adhere to the standardized work. It's to use the standardized work to identify problems and opportunities. But without that, sure, anyone can have ideas or anyone may not be motivated to give ideas for any, for any number of reasons that they, they may not. But if I say, here are the 10 things that you need to do to assemble this part or to do, I don't know, to for a team to execute, you know, door balloon to balloon time in less than 40 minutes. I don't know what those things are, but you do. Sure, sure. But we define those things so we can then sit back and look at them, you know, and after action review and say, you know, what what went wrong. And hopefully it's some, and, and usually in the course of most work, not 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 what what's what you do in the emergency room, according to mo with most work, you can you can you can stop and identify now. That became one of the controversial aspects of what Toyota system was when when it was taken to California to Numi. And then General Motors and other places, which was the whole stop the line process where, you know, anyone finds any kind of problem at any time, they are enabled to, you know, uh, to call timeout uh, and, to, uh, and, 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 and to stop the line, which really means then to ask for help. So then someone can help and we can decide together, decide together what do we need to do, which becomes a coaching opportunity. So everyone's capabilities is getting improved every time and the process is getting improved every time and we're not passing along a problem to the next person uh, in our in our system. So if we can do that, that's great. How do you do that in healthcare? Every healthcare environment that becomes a challenge. How do you do that? So how do you do that? Absolutely. Well, well John, uh, you probably should be thankful that I don't live next to you because I could talk to you for hours and uh, I'm sure I would get on your nerves after a while. But I do have, I have two questions. I think one's a quick one and I think one uh, probably isn't, but that's okay. We'll, we'll uh, bring the, the, the show to an end on the second question. The first question, just because I've always enjoyed reading anything that you produce without maybe giving us too much information, just more curious than anything, are, are you working on any kind of endeavor for the future, any kind of book? Oh, goodness. Uh, always, 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 always. I have, I have a lot of uh, stuff on the cutting room floor, as they say. I'm always writing something and deciding, ah, I don't like this. So, we, we like, we, you know, one of the terms that we came to use when I was at uh, LEI, you know, full time was interesting and useful. Like to make something, like to write or produce any material that's interesting, but also make it useful and can, you know, and is less likely to be misunderstood. And I've just found that it's, it, 
possible for things not to, you know, to generate misunderstandings in various ways. We have language, language fails so much. That's why a lot of the original Toyota guys, they hate to give you a blanket answer about something. And people would think, oh, they're just being coy or they're being difficult. And no, you just really hate to say, because what we can say is what applies. What is, what is a good truthful response to this situation right here, right now? We can absolutely say. But as soon as you start extrapolating, then, you know, things start. And I think in healthcare, you guys know this. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of caution then around, okay, what kind of rules we create and best practices and, 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 and all that. So, yeah, I'm working on things, uh, Skip, and I play, should I write some big book that, you know, unification theory that ties it all together? Um, <laughs> I think about just writing a book. I write it kind of, a, you know, just write the 10 years of things that I saw it, you know, when working, you know, with Toyota, you know, just, just kind of, just kind of lay it out there. Um, we're, we're and, and one, sorry, one specific thing. So, oh gosh, every time there's a problem in global supply chains, the Wall Street Journal and others blame just in time. And yeah. every single time it is so fraught with misunderstanding. But there you go. That just if the teacher hasn't, if the learner hasn't learned, the teacher hasn't taught. Right. right. I love that. thing. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So look, if the world is confused about just in time, then I have done a bad job. All you know, or all of us who've tried to explain it. Because if you look at if you think about Toyota system as being, you know, the two pillars, just in time and Jidoka, Jidoka no one even knows about. <laughs> right, right. And then right. just in time okay. is misunderstood. So and then and we mentioned standardized work, you know, and aging and all that. So these things uh, both in, in piecemeal fashion are not well understood and more important holistically how they work together as a system aren't well understood. But, 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 but I, you know, I, I, I see progress being made. I, I meet folks like you, you know, today and see what you're working on. And that makes me just a very, very hopeful that this isn't something that we solve ever, even questions. I think of almost all questions and not something that I can't tell you how many times I've asked someone a question and I meant it as a thought question to take forever. And a year later, they come back and say, oh, I got the answer. I've written a book about it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't have much hair. I said, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these, these questions don't go away. You know, you, you read stuff Socrates said, you know, 2,500 years ago. And it's the same questions apply. The answers, you know, are how we address them and how we can learn to address them better. Those things evolve and change, uh, I think. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask a final question, and then we'll uh, wrap it up. Is that, you know, um, in healthcare, uh, mm. Doctor, people like Dr. Mason, a chief medical officer of one of our large hospitals and, and administrators and uh, wonderful, wonderful human beings. One of the uh, characteristics that you see quite common in healthcare is people do walk arounds. They do rounding. They do uh, what feels and looks like howdy walks. And um, one of the things that I've had private conversations with many leaders on is they've shared with me um, that they don't really know what they're doing when they're walking around. And, and so, I, you know, I've talked to Dr. Edgar Schein a lot about situational awareness. And in a, in a, I know you could answer this question for days, but if you were going to give Dr. Mason and other administrators advice since they're having to do these walk-arounds daily uh, uh, anyway, what might how they how they might think about that walk around? What are they trying to accomplish in that? And and you know we we sometimes in the lean world call it a gimba walk, but what, what advice could you give 
um, these really wonderful human beings that are trying to make an impact. And if they're going to be involved in the, these walk-arounds and rounding efforts anyway, how might they think about that, John? That's a great question. So that, that's a serious question. And um, uh, first of all, my problem to solve now is to answer that in how much time? <laughs> no, I mean, five or 10 minutes, I just saw the signal. All right. All right. Um, it's a great question. I really, on, on multiple levels. Uh, to go at it directly, I'm going to say defining, first of all, define your objective for each and every rounding or gamble walk. And specifically, there might be a general objective to doing it, okay, generally, right? But today, what am I trying to accomplish? Uh, there may be specific problems that you want to address and solve with, I don't know, patient X or, or but more than, more than likely, most rounding, I think it has a lot to do with teaching. So who do I want to teach what to and then how? Because if, if, if there's a, a team that I'm rounding with, I don't know, I'll make up a situation I'm rounding with almost daily or uh, I get to know them pretty quickly. I know how they learn. I know where they are. I need to have a plan in mind for each one of them, what they need to learn. And then my challenge is opposed to, get, to, 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 to giving them. Then the challenge is how do, how do I impart on them the things that I have learned? The only reason I know it and they don't is because I learned it somewhere along the way. How did I learn that lesson? And with that as a spark, how can I help them learn that lesson? So, you know, I think when I've, I've, I've been along, gone, gone along on some rounding in, in hospitals of, of, of various kinds, and I think some are incredible. I mean, just amazing, actually, and, and effectively done. I, I, I just, I'm blown away sometimes uh, at, at how it's done. But I think it all comes back to that, 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 um, that defining the objective generally, why do I do? I, I would write it down. Why do I do these generally? <laughs> and what are objectives like this period of time, you know, this two week or one quarter, however you want to break it up. And then every day, uh, I think you need to have a specific objective every day, what you're going to do and for each person and how you're going to interact with them, how you're going to impart the knowledge. It may be, if for, for someone, it may be telling them directly, you know, they need to they, you identify there's a lesson they haven't gotten yet. I'm going to give it to them. <laughs> it may be a matter of recognizing how I'm going to give them an assignment to go do something and come back to me. Mm -hmm. And the great leaders, I, I, I was really fortunate in my 10, 10, 11 years with Toyota. I had a number of bosses, boss mentors. So I moved around and I was kind of like a pet. I was kind of like a talking dog. It was like everybody <laughs> wanted to interact with the talking dog. Uh, and, and everyone, so I, I was really fortunate. I had a lot of people wanting to mentor me. And you, you know what that means. That, that's, a, that's a double edged sword sometimes. But I got to interact with a lot of folks. And the, and the great ones would, would absolutely do that. Um, they would have in mind exactly what they were what, needing to share, wanting to share every, every day, every moment. And they would have kind of a mental pl plan for that. And the really good ones, um, again, wouldn't necessarily just. Well, they might say it directly if they call, if that's what we're called for, but they would often just sit back and they would think, okay, I know how to fix the problem on the brake line that they're having. And I could just tell them what to do to fix it, but then I'll have to come here and fix it again tomorrow. And when it doesn't actually work this time, then I'm responsible for it. It worked before. So what, what can I ask them to get them to have a, a light bulb go off so that they will have the same learning experience that I had? It's not that I know this because I'm a superior human being. I went through a learning experience so that I know it. So how, how can I share that? So then defining my role and why, so uh, uh, the objective for doing it. And, I, and I'll it, it close maybe a little bit with a, a story back to Numi days uh, that I think fits. And I'll ask a question main, mainly of, well, any of, any of you, um, 
uh, Skip, you asked me this question. I'll ask you a question. So at Numi, it was a 50-50 joint venture, Toyota and General Motors. And so the workforce was the same old UAW workforce that had been there before, the worst workforce in the world, according to the UAW and General Motors. And with the exact same workforce through the through 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 various you know means that you know have been described, put in the social technical system, uh, and focused on the work, so that that became a, a marvelous exemplary culture, exemplary work system. Uh, went from the worst performing op, uh, workforce and plant and GM system to the very best. Uh, it set a record for the best quality score any GM plant had ever gotten. And this is at the tail end of GM being the most powerful industrial corporation in the world for half a century. They had never seen quality like this. And this was at the launch. Usually, remember in the old days after a, car, a new car comes out, you don't buy it for six months, you want to let them work out the bucks. After the very first quality audit, it went from the worst in GM system to the best they'd ever seen. Uh, you know, grievances went from, uh, I can't remember the grievance numbers, absenteeism from like 22, 23% down to like less than 2%. Um, you know, instead of, uh, instead of, uh, you know, fights and, and drugs on the, on the plant floor, which is what they literally had before you had, you had teamwork, just an astounding change. And, and, you know, that I mentioned that because so that that's possible, right? So that's what we want to achieve. But on the, amongst the management ranks, we had about half, uh, General Motors managers and about half. Well, there were three three crowds. There were there were newly hired managers. There were some folks from General Motors who were who were white managers and some Toyota people who were there who were managers of coordinators. Of the GM and Numi hired managers, and then the Toyota managers. One of those two groups spent a lot of time out on the gimba, out in the front lines, doing exactly what you were saying, Skip. Going to walking out. Which group? Uh, which group was that? I would I would argue it's probably the Toyota managers. That's what uh, ninety nine point nine percent of people would say, and it's wrong. Wow. And I only mean that not to be tricky in a silly kind of a way. Yeah. It, it's just it, it gets back into purpose, the defined purpose of going to the plant floor. So we thought, in fact, we on the Toyota side thought, yeah, the GM managers they're going to spend all the time in the office, and we got to get them to go out on the plant floor. They love to be on the plant floor. They're human beings, just like just like everybody, all the physicians, nurse managers, you know, in your system, they, that's what they love. They love to be out there. Now, what are they doing when they're out there? They're solving problems. What do solve problems mean the way they would do it? <laughs> they would go up and they would tell people, no, don't do it that way. Here's the way you can solve that. That's where they, that's where they always were. And they loved it. Toyota managers, where you knew when you needed them, you knew where they were. They were at their desk waiting for you to pull the rope and on cord and come ask for help. Now, they were out there walking around as well. So they were looking around. So when you came and asked for help, they knew what to ask you. <laughs> they knew immediately what to ask to know if you'd really seen what was going on. So it, it's, it's, it's like the GM guys were being firefighters, right? And so one of the things, one of the ways we describe this culture, we want to get out of the firefighting culture, right? We, we, everybody go ahead. But off, well, what they were doing, they were being, and I'm going to, I'm going to refer to some of the, some of this language. It, it comes from my friend, uh, Dr. Jack Billy from the University of Michigan Hospital. But they were off, they were being the arsonist. They were solving problems and they loved it. That's where they were. The Toyota guys were being the fire marshal, who everyone hates. Everyone loves the firefighter. They're the hero. Back, it's back to that individual, uh, individualist culture that, that you mentioned earlier. 
yeah, I want to be the firefighter, the cowboy. I want to be the sheriff, <laughs> you know, but it's the fire marshal who prevents the fires that no one even knows ever happened. Wow. And that's what we want. That's the kind of system we want to build. And that's the kind of mindset we want to have as we think about designing work experience that would really respect the people doing the frontline work. So uh, I don't know, Skip, in answer to your question, that's a couple of things. No, about- I, I, I thought you did a great job answering. And, <laughs> and John, I want to offer a, uh, an invitation for the future. I hope that you'll consider coming back on the podcast in the future. Uh, I could um, really talk to you for a really long time. But on behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, I just want to say a, a really big thank you. Thank you for being a thought leader. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And most important, thank you for being a friend. Thank you, guys. Good luck for everything you're doing, and go Big Orange. Thank you, John. Thank you.